Hello, everybody, and welcome to Lack of Focus. I am Sean, the maniac, and with me tonight is Ed, the 40K God. Hello. Tonight, I don't know about Ed? God. Demi, I'll take demigod. Primark works. I'm all right with that. I'm not the god. I'm not the god emperor, but I'll but I'll take it, and I'm doing fine. Thank you. And also with us tonight is Chris, the super realist. How you doing, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Sean. How are you? <laughs> doing good. I, I, it was a hard one that to not say good, thanks, Ed. I had to change it up. <laughs> I know. I like change. Yeah. I yeah. know it's gonna be. It's an interesting one to sit on the other side of the chair, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting to try to come up with the quips and everything, you know. For when we when you're when you're in the hot seat and stuff. So um tonight's episode is gonna be well, we missed an episode in there, so it might be a little little of a free form, but my topic for tonight, which we'll talk about later, will be on retro gaming. And Ooh, a good one. And what retro gaming is actually doing today compared to maybe ten years ago or twenty years ago, and what it's doing to a gaming industry to not you know the the computer games or arcade game industry and uh you know w- what influence it has on today's gaming also you know with the consoles today and computer games today so um kind of a broad but it'll be narrowed down quite a bit um but before all of that um let's uh let's talk about what we've been doing for the last month and uh we'll start this time with Chris Chris what have you been doing um well before um we well before we missed the last episode i was in the uk i had to go back and do a bunch of diy so that was um entertaining i had a a 10 hour layover which stretched to like 12 hours of delays um, in toronto and so i think i got to the airport at midnight on the sunday because I was trying to like figure out a good way of doing it, and like Jill dropped me off, but we didn't we didn't want to have like her having to get up at four a.m. because my flight was at six. Right. So she dropped me off at midnight. Then I landed. Uh, by the time I got into the apartment in Scotland, it was four p.m. on the Tuesday. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah there, there's a well because you cross the prime meridian whenever you do it, so you you actually switch into the next day. That was probably my biggest one too when I went overseas for the first time. Yeah, well, it it wasn't you know it was like I got there at midnight, so technically it was Monday when I got there, but it was Sunday night. But then my flight was only six a.m. Monday morning to Toronto, which puts you at eight a.m. Toronto time. Four hours from the flight there, so you're only landing at like lunchtime. Then my flight to UK was at like eight PM, so it, everything just kind of got got and pushed you, and pushed. And did you fly directly from Toronto to Edinburgh? Did you Edinburgh, okay. See, I Americanize that pronunciation and everything. Yeah, I flew into Edinburgh. Yes. Oh well, what's the correct Ed- pronunciation? Edinburgh. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. So, so for the plane nerds in the world, what kind of planes did you fly on, or plane did you fly on? Um, it had engines and wings, and <laughs> I, I, I was in. It was one of the, so when I was in the Air Force, one of the um, they, they were closing down the squadron I was on, and they came in and they were talking about 
like the different opportunities you could move on to after working on this frontline squadron. You could, like, if you wanted to go on to big aircraft and like what that would entail for your career and how you could use that when you came out. Yeah. Or like we had the Eurofighter Typhoon was coming into service, so you could transfer onto one. And like, I was like, what what's available? It just isn't on aircraft anymore. I'm done. I don't. <laughs> I, I just want to second line. I'll work in a bay. Just bring me bring me the stuff that's broken. Let me fix it. Right, yeah. the, the least <laughs> aviation enthusiast member of the Air Force ever. <laughs> um, that said, I think it was um, Air Canada, and it was I. I want to say like a one seventeen, maybe. I don't even know. I don't even know what Ooh. point things are. No, um, yeah, yeah you, you can look it up. Um, yeah, it was fine. Like it was a. I'm not going to say it was a crappy time in the UK because it was nice seeing my, my friends again. I bought magic cards there. Do you appreciate this story? Um, we, Me and my friend Dave went into the old games workshop, our old hangout. He used to be the manager of the GW in Dundee. Um, he came down from Aberdeen and stayed over with, with me and my friend. Um, and then we went into the games workshop and like, hung out in there for a little bit, chatting, catching up. And then we went to the, uh, the smaller, friendly local game store, Highlander Games. So if you're ever in Dundee, Highlander, good place to go and play games. Uh, and he was like back and forth on what he wanted to buy. And I knew what, he plays Magic. He wanted to get some packs. So I was like, right, you get some packs and I'll buy whatever packs you buy plus one. So he got some Modern Masters uh, 2. Oh, of I think course, of course, because he goes um, to the expensive ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he opened his three packs of Modern Masters and pulled nothing. And so I bought my three packs. I got three packs of Modern Masters and two and one pack of Modern Masters one. Uh, I opened my pack. Like the first pack I opened, I was looking at the cards and I pulled um, some blue card that was a good one. I don't know. And I, just, <laughs> I pulled and, and, and that, well, I, I pulled like a $50 card in the first pack. <laughs> oh, um, wow. But then I... I I was like, I was looking at him, but I didn't know what I was looking at because I don't play magic. So then the other three packs, I opened them and held them so that Dave could see them and then just watched his face as I'm like thumbing through them. So I wasn't even looking at the cards. I'm like watching his face. You're actually watching him. Yeah. Watch his reaction and then I can judge how well I'm doing. But um, <laughs> I think I opened about 120 pounds worth of cards in my nice. four packs and he opened garbage. Uh, so... <laughs> See, that's that's the um, way to do it, though. You know, be that, you know, the the first time luck guy. You know. I said, I've been lucky than good. Uh, I gave him a couple of them, and I I would just I sold them at the Sentry Box card store um, oh, on Tuesday cool. before my shift. Um, so I bought a, I bought a case to put them in, brought them all back, um, sold them there, and then I bought um, some Indian food for everyone while I was working. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. That's so, nice. Yeah. It was it was fun. Like I said, it was you know four four individual packs of magic cards, whatever. I I'll spread the wealth around. It was fine, but yeah, that was a, a fun day. Um, so I did a bunch of DIY in in Scotland, um, which I hate. I just I despise it. <laughs> I um like light fixtures, light switches. Um, oh yeah, I ripped, I pulled out the extractor fan in the bathroom because it didn't work anymore. And I, it was just getting mold and condensation on the ceiling because it hadn't been working. Um, I put it out, and it was like a big, like a foot long, foot like a, a twelve inch square, 
I took it out, and the pipe that it vented out of was in the top right of it, and all around it, all of the um, the pipe, not pipe, but um, plasterboard was yeah. all um, drywall. Uh, was all just like trashed because it was hidden behind this giant extractor fan. Obviously, modern ones are smaller. So I had to fill all of these holes because it's like straight oh, yeah. through to the outdoors. Yeah. Um, I was uh, cutting out all of the old moldy grout and sealant around the bath. That was uh, delightful. Um, resealing all of that and just, you know, general DIY jobs while we try and get this uh, ready. Um, I, I did go to Wigan. I saw some family as well. Um, I resisted the temptation to make it a stre- a more stressful trip. So I didn't go to like Warhammer World or anything this time. Oh, I, 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 that was the one thing when I was there, we passed it. Or not Warhammer World, we passed a War, uh, Games Workshop store when we were in... Yeah. Probably when we were in Edinburgh. I don't know if it's in Edinburgh. Which uh, The one in Edinburgh is actually... Like, this, the rent they pay on that store is extortionate because it's right on the um, the main high street yeah, because um, it, like it's the yeah. same place where I got my tattoo. Like literally, as we're walking to go to get to the tattoo place, it's there. And I, she, my wife looked at me and she's like, "Do you want to go in?" I'm like, "No." Like, I mean, I really, really do, but no. <laughs> I'm gonna make this really way more expensive than it needs to be. <laughs> so are the Warhammer yeah. stores bigger there than here? Um, not really. The, no. So generally, it, I have like a sense of if, if you drop me in a city that has a Warhammer store in England. Or, well, in the UK, I can probably find it for you. Because Edinburgh is actually the exception of it being on the high, like one of the main high streets. But what you do, you find the main high street that's got all of your your shops on it, and then you take a side street, and it'll be just off the. Gotcha. They they go just off the high streets, so that they get the cheaper rent. Typically, yeah, they the, do ones... the the hole in the walls. You know, yeah. they they yeah. get that hole in the wall stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Typically, the ones that I've been into are small retail shops where, like, there's one table there and it's set up for demo gaming only. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you'll get lucky enough that there's another table or two. But a lot of it is retail shelf space. Like, they want you to buy Warhammer there, but not necessarily play it there. Um, there yeah. were some exceptions. Uh, here in the U.S., there was the Baltimore Battle Bunker, which was a gigantic store. Um, but those were few and far between. I think there's only like two or three of those in the country at one point in time. I think yeah, they, they have. I think, I think the in, in Bal- oh, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. But, uh, like the name of the that's the the name they had for the stores that had like dedicated play space. Aberdeen has a battle bunker like, above the oh, there store. You go, there you go. They have game space upstairs. Um, Aberdeen's a decent store actually. If you're ever in that part of the world, um, check out games workshop aberdeen again a bunch of all my friends um all manage that stuff so good um one here the one here in omaha just uh, to throw this in is so it's one shopping bay and a little strip mall and you know uh, probably an eighth of that store is the counter space you know and then behind that not directly behind you still have access to it but it's like where the paint is and stuff and then the rest of it's wrapped around with you know wall wall hanging sales space and then it has two tables two tables for gaming which one of them is usually packed with product you know that people have ordered that came in yep Mm. and then in the front they have another table they have another table that's like a display table with painted minis and then they have another table that's like a created battlefield yeah 
Yeah. Okay. The upside okay. is walking into that store. You're gonna if you're going in there looking for something, Games Workshop, it'll be there. That's not true. Ninety nine percent of the time, at least has been my experience. Even the harder to find. Oh, stuff. they they don't. That GW is actually a really good model. They have the order terminals in the store that you can I, go and yep. order, and you get it shipped to the store for free. So the actual on shelf <laughs> stock levels are really curated. So yep. most of the stuff that you want to buy because is there because they know what the customers want to buy and they yep. manage the stock levels really well but like w- the sentry box has all everything on the shelf right. so all of the direct only stuff is on the shelf but it ships in a white box it's yeah. a plain white box with a barcode on it um and then we have to we go online print out the image off the website and then shrink wrap it with that on, so you know what it, what's inside. Oh, look at that extra effort you guys put. Like, why right. can't you? Why can't you manage a store down here? <laughs> yeah, I was just looking to see if I have any of the white box stuff. I probably do, but it's not readily accessible. But yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the way they do it here too. Is they want you to order it and then order it to the store. And yeah, then pick it, it up it, at the store. You know, it packs with the normal like weekly orders. And it's free shipping. It's it's a great way of doing business. They do it yeah. like so. Um, they have a very good approach to what they want to do. Yeah, yeah I, I really exactly. big fan. Um, they've streamlined that sit that a lot in the last like I want. I always want to say like ten years, but what I actually mean is like twenty five years now. <laughs> yeah. We are getting we are getting older. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so I got back from being in the UK and um, the apartment hadn't, like the sale hasn't gone through or anything yet. I believe like the latest update is that uh, um, my friend who's buying it from us um, got all of the, the information, all the survey was completed on Friday and obviously it's Thursday today. So like, there should be an offer turning up with my solicitor at some point in the next couple of days. So. It's all fine. It's just I was hoping I'd go and the stress would go away. But right, you're just not, not there yet. living, you know, not really. Um, Almost there. Almost there. Then, um, I got by. I've not really done too much actual gaming. I I took some uh, models to paint while I was in the UK, and I stole Jono's paints, and I, I didn't get them finished. I got like five colors down, which is fine. It was a start. Um, but then I got back. And I was like, okay, I want to pick up where I left off with getting all the website up and running. Now it's the time to start making content. And then I looked around and I was like, <laughs> I hate it. I can't. I, I, I'm not ready to do the, the being trapped in the furnace room when it's like a billion degrees. It's just everything's a mess. As, as you can see, well, as you guys can see, probably not the, the viewers at the moment, but um, I, the the basement system absolute shit. I've posted pictures on on uh, the Discord actually, but uh, I've spent like a week ripping apart the furnace room, pulling everything out that was in there, and then mm-hmm. rebuilding it. And so it's actually a space that I'd be happy to spend time in. So I've joked about like when I'm on stream, it looks like a really nice painting setup, but then I turn the green screen off and it's fucking tiny, horrible furnace room. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I've got the I had the brightly colored, you know, styrofoam floor tile things you can get. Yep. Um, in there, 
but then the dogs there's been a bunch of thunderstorms so the dogs had like ripped that up trying to dig their way into well, yeah. i don't know australia um, <laughs> so i got like um an office mat for a rolling chair and put that in there so it's mm -hmm. like a carpet in the sort of thing now um i've I went to Ikea with Evie and we like got a, a nicer desk and um, I realised I was having a bunch of trouble with keeping the model I was painting in the shot and in focus. So uh, it was really frustrating because it doesn't really matter on the stream is that I can move it around and like get the gist of it, but it made it so that I wasn't happy with every time I tried to make like YouTube content from the stream. It was just shit. I hated it, and it like nothing was up to the standard I wanted it to be. Yeah. Because I'm when I'm focusing on the model to do the important bit that I want to show you, I'm not looking like up here to make sure that it's in everything's focus perfect. On. Yeah. So um, I I was actually looking around for a, a while trying to find just a cheap monitor. I I have like you know one of those USB monitors you can plug into your laptop. Yep, um, I had one of those, and I was like, I could put that on the wall. And I was in just randomly in Walmart, and they had one on clearance, just like a normal monitor. So it's like, oh, if that will take a wall mount, I'll grab that. So I put an, another monitor in there that's actually, I mounted it in such a way that it's right in my vision when mm -hmm. I'm actually painting it. So all I do is in OBS now, I send a preview of the stream image to that so I can see a live feed of what I'm actually painting. Yep. So I can theoretically keep everything in the shot. Um, I'd messed around with different lenses on the camera to try and figure out the best way to get a nice framed shot. But because it's in the furnace room, I needed a bunch of light to try and stop the grainy pixelated images. So that was an absolute pain in the ass because of the more I, I've got. I think it's in here. I I picked up a used lens, like a giant one. So it's like a giant, zoom, a giant zoom lens to see if that would do it. What brand and is it, that? Uh, it's all Canon. Um, oh, so okay. I had a, my camera was a Canon EOS Rebel SL2. Gotcha. Um, and it was all, it was all good. It's all fine. Outputs in like 1080 full HD. But then it was like, well, um, what you actually do is you just get a 4K camera and then put it on a 1080 picture and it's already zoomed in. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I was smart. messing around trying to find a cheap 4K camera because I've got to kind of balance those two things. Um, luckily, basically, Jono paid for everything that I was in the UK. So um, thanks, Jono. Uh, which meant that I had more money when I got back than I expected. So I managed to pick up. Um, it's not a great. It's. It, it, I'm not. I'm not going to whine about it because it's still an extra fucking camera that I've just bought. But I got a Canon M200, um, which outputs in 4K. So I mean, I, again, I posted a picture of what the output is going to be uh, in the Discord. I think I sent it to you guys on Facebook. Yep, I've seen it. Yeah, and that is a 100% just a straight screen capture from, uh, it was a print screen. So that is the quality that I should be putting out live. It's not like a, a staged picture to try and make it look better than it will be. Right. That That's like hopefully where the, where the level it, will be. It's not the McDonald's hamburger on the sign that looks like a, <laughs> yeah, like a million the, dollar burger. That's the hope anyway. 
Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, then I, um, one of Mike, well, Uncle Mike, the guy who did a in a Speckling and Colton, um, he's uh, back helping me out in the sentry box on Tuesdays at the moment because um, that's our miniatures night. And uh, we've been chatting. We've been playing games on like Tuesday after work, Friday after work. Um, so like, last week I took all my old like X-wing streaming stuff in, um, and we set up and tried to record just a random game of Necromunda, just to try and see how it went. To try and start doing battle report videos, and again that was kind of missing a few little things, and like we had some takeaways. So we're going to try and do that again tomorrow. Um, with a slightly different setup. So I've actually the the white boxes that are resting on my hoodie behind me actually um like they it, it bolts onto the table with like a clamp and then it's an arm that's got like ball ball socket joints and you okay. just, so you kind of just step it up, up, up and over and theoretically I'll be able to get a, a not a I won't do a like a one eighty degrees top down shot, but like a better over the table shot. Um, so you can kind of see the stuff moving around. Right. Um, but the idea is have like three or four different camera angles to cut between and do like the game side of that as well. Um, so yeah, we like, we played Necromunda while we are doing that. And it, it was very much a, we'll play a game. It's in the campaign, it all counted. Um, but I ended up, um, my my first like two rounds of shooting, I just couldn't wound anything. And his, his, yeah. he, um, Mike's running, um, so I'm running my Dalak gang and I took a bunch of different fighters that I wouldn't normally take, but Mike's the arbitrator. So he's running two gangs to try and make sure that it's not, if he's playing people to make sure they get games, that his one gang isn't just spiraling in power because that one gang's playing more games. So he's got two and I, assumed he was playing his dino raider gang when he was playing his um outcast um gang which is led by an uh, an ogryn with two sump crocs now so he's got these two giant crocodiles and an ogryn like with them on chain like as pets that uh, <laughs> it was just walking slowly towards me and i just couldn't deal with i was like waha i jumped out with my juve with a web uh, pistol because you shoot them and then they all get webbed and theoretically they're stuck. It doesn't matter how tough they are or anything. You just like, it, like the Yogren's got like three or four wounds. You just ignore all of that because he's just like co- Spider-Man style cocooned. And and uh, so I jumped out and fluffed all of his rolls. So they just kept walking closer. And I was like, ha I'll shoot you with my plasma gun and ran out of ammo on the first shot. Um, <laughs> and it's like, Aha, I'll do it. No. Um, so it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> um, so it was a bloody horrible game. I think my second plasma gun, I shot at one of his guys on like full power, um, overloaded the gun and like killed my own guy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, fun times. That's Necromunda for you. So I bought, I, I took the uh, the bottle. It was like I said, it was a really bloody game. I think I took out like over half of his gang. He took out over half of mine, um, and like yeah, he squeaked the win. Um, and then the only other game I've played is last night. Matt asked me if I wanted a game of X Wing on TTS, so we started Ooh. playing X Wing at ten thirty at night uh, on TTS. Oh man! Um, and we got we. 
we randomly selected the scenario and it was chance encounter um so it, i mean it, it was fine it was good i hadn't played x-wing since i played matt at droid soccer and that was like a month ago and previous to that i hadn't played for like five or six weeks <laughs> so i threw Sorry. together um a new list and i didn't want to run the jedi again um but I'd not had time to sit and make something properly, so I just took a really aggressive, face-punchy Empire list and see what happens. And that was a really good, fun game. Really close, actually. Um, it was... Uh, he took an early lead because he just exploded Wampa. Uh, so my list was Wampa with Disciplined, two ISB Jingoists with Contraband Cybernetics, so if they do Red Maneuvers, they got to still perform actions so we could do red maneuvers while stressed. Mm, um, okay. Then I had Countess Ryad in a defender with outmaneuver. And then I had Darth Vader in the tie advanced with outmaneuver um, pattern analyzer. So you can spend a focus token to turn a blank to a hit. Um, like fire control system, like just all offensive upgrades. So it was just like a punch you in the face, Vader. Um, My personal favorite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but he exported Wampa in like the, the second round. Um, I just, yeah. He took three shots to kill him, but I let him have three shots on him. So unlucky, Wampa. Thanks for killing. Yeah. Um, th but then I scored double points for the center object because he didn't actually manage to squeak into range two. So it was two, two. And then it went like, I got 7-5 up, and it was like back and forth. Then we got to like 11 points each, and then 12 points each, and then 15 points each, uh -oh. and 17 <laughs> points each. Um, and then I I had Vader on one hull, and Ryad on, no, Vader on two hull, Ryad on one hull, and my two Jingoists were undamaged still, and he had um, Commander Paul Dameron, Ray and the Falcon with all of the face punching upgrades and two um, resistance Y wings with bombs and ion turrets. Uh, I killed one of the Y wings. I managed to get lucky and take Paul out of the picture because he, um, I just care. For some reason, he didn't see Ryad's like random K turn coming because her ability is if you're going straight, you can make your straight maneuver harder, which makes it white instead of blue. And then you can make it a K turn instead. So um, I got behind Paul at range one, took all his shields away. And then <laughs> the next round, I blocked Ray, which blocked Paul, which he took damage from. Yep. And then he was at range one of one of the Jingoists, and Ryad was behind him. So I was like, well, the Jingoist's ability is you pick a, a ship in your firing arc at range zero to one, and you either have to discard a green token or. Um, they could take a strain or deplete token. He didn't have any tokens because he bumped his own ship. So I put, get, I put the strain on him and then didn't shoot at him to immediately take the strain off. I shot something else. And then Ryad was behind him at range one without maneuver. So she went minus one dice without maneuver and your strain. So no dice. And I just rolled all four <laughs> hits. It's like, yes, get fucking wrecked, bro, you loser. <laughs> Yeah, and, you um, know, Poe po did lose a whole bomber squadron, you know. He did. Um, but yeah, it was it was very close. Um, I managed to kill 
I killed a Y-Wing and survived with Ryad with one hit left. Um, Ray got a like a fully modded shot into Ryad, but she had focus evade and it was range three, um, and she squeaked out with no damage. And then she murdered. Right, it, in fact, her shot didn't even matter. She didn't get to fire because um, the Jingoist actually killed the Y-Wing I needed to kill to get me to 21 points. Mm. Very nice. Yeah, it was cool. It was like a really close game. I, I could have and should have gone either way because um, Ray's offense, considering it was Ray with um, Finn and Rose, so like, a bunch of easily mods for your offensive uh, was pretty lackluster. He was getting like two hits from four dice kind of thing. Just kind of falling into that those, average. Yeah. One of those dice is always a blank because Finn's adding it in as a blank. But you know what I mean? Yep. Um, but yeah, um, he got heroic to trigger back to back on Paul. Well, you there know. You go. So right, that's some form of achievement. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was good, and that brings us to today. So I, I've I've procrastinated into not painting by improving the painting area. So I've done zero painting. <laughs> I've not played any real games with models. I have to do the new Warcry box comes out on Saturday. So on Tuesday, we want to do the new Warcry stuff. So I'm painting the Rotmeyer Creed models, which are like the Nurgle guys. Um, <laughs> so I've got to assemble those. Um, paint them. I want to do the swamp bases that I've been doing for my other Nurgle stuff as well. Yeah, those um, are good. So hopefully I'll get, well, not hopefully, they'll be done by Tuesday. And then I've got a bunch of commissions I want to just finish off because I'm sick to death of having these things. <laughs> so after that, I'm not doing any more painting for myself. Uh, nothing new is going to, no new projects until they're finished. So that's my extra long flight deck for a change. Wow, he he really took it, ran the mile with that one. He sure yeah. did. So, uh, so Ed, what have you been doing? Does it does it feel weird to go second and not third? A little, a little, but I'll I'll adjust. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> I can actually say that I did more painting since we our last show than Chris did, which is an unusual thing. Um, I got a bug up my butt. Um, this past weekend, my wife had the kids out for a little trip, and I'm like, all right, I'm home by myself. Gabe's at work, so I've got the dogs. What am I going to do? So I tossed on some War Games Live on YouTube, listened to some tournament play, and painted. And I got 10 Battle Sisters completely painted this past weekend. So now I'm like, well, now I'm on a roll. Now I've got, like, the first five, like, I... I, I I did them in a batch of five for the first ones just to kind of get the get the feel for for what I wanted to do. That little fleur de lis on their shoulder is so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Like every uh, other detail kind of comes up off of a model. So you can kind of like take the side of your brush and do like a 45 degree angle and run run it across to get the paint where you want it. But for some reason, it's either got the corners are so rounded or it's so depressed on the model that I feel like I can't get it right. And all all ten of them, I don't think that I got one that I 
was genuinely happy with. So everything else looks great. I took them off to the game store this past Tuesday. They're all painted. Everyone's like, oh, these look great. These are great. And then there's that part of me that's like, I fucking hate them. Like, like I can't get that damn fleur, fleur de lis everywhere else. I picked out gold chains that were already inside of the red cod piece, little cloth that goes down through. I not only did shading, but I brought the midtones back up. I did highlighting. The bases look good, but I look at that damn fleur de lis on their shoulder and I'm just i'm not happy with it other than that they look great i'm okay um i i do there i do, i found that i'm having troubles with white and i can't find a white that covers the way that i want it to cover i started off with um corvax uh, uh, uh white scars uh, white scars white and then i moved on to putrid witch flesh and they both cover okay but they're going over a dark i even did the zenithal highlight on all of the models to leave some of the white there but like over time like you're like you're painting you're gonna make mistakes and like oh crap i put corvix black on the helmet so now like some of the 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 sisters models that don't have bare skin and, and head exposed have this you know, white piece that kind of goes up on their center so they have a black helmet with this white eye piece that kind of goes over and you get a little bit of black on that and then you're like oh i've got to go over it multiple layers and then you could see the multiple layers like i don't know what it is about every other color every other color two thin coats everything covers great um the reds that i use the silvers all the other colors i use but for some reason damned if i can find a white that i feel that covers well i feel like i might have to go outside the games workshop well, because for, um so don't try and paint it white do it as a an off-white and use open gray and then use white to be a highlight color is the way i tend to do that kind of stuff i might try that i might try that because legitimately like it, because the fleur-de-lis on their shoulder pad is white okay yeah you could start off that way so yep. how it works so uh, a little bit of I did a Zenithal highlight on mine. So I started, all the models started off prime black. Um, the upside to priming models black to start off with, for those who do not know, have not painted. Um, every model is going to have like these little nooks and crannies that maybe you're going to miss because you can't quite get a paintbrush in there to get paint in there. And if you prime them black, that just becomes dark shadow. It's kind of okay to leave those go. And then you do from the top, from a distance, a good arm's length distance, just kind of go over it with a, a lighter color. I started off with... Uh, gray instead of white but it's still a zenithal over top of it um to bring out the highlights um i don't know how much so the theory behind it is that latex paint lays down like a screen door would in layers and the theory behind it is if you do it that way though if the, you have the light source above their head the stuff that's supposed to be brighter, it kind of does some pre-highlighting for you so that the paint lays down. It's a little bit brighter towards the top, but darker towards the bottom because that's how it's supposed to work. For me, what it was, it was super helpful because it picked out highlighted. It picked out all the little details in the model that if you have just a straight black model, you might not be able to see the first time you go through. So if nothing else, it was a painting aid for me. I don't know the ultimate end result, whether it did or did not do what the theory is supposed to do, but it made it a lot easier to paint. Would it would it be easier to use an airbrush on something like that? I'm wondering. I like, like I'm genuinely getting to that point, Sean. That I think that, especially now, like something. I mean, it's it's early August now, but in about a month or so, it's going to start getting colder. So like all the stuff that I have, it's all painted in prime. So like I'm going to have no 
and all Zenithal highlighted. So I'm going to have no excuses whatsoever to be able to have, like, I've got oodles and oodles of models I've got to paint over the winter. So I can't use that as an excuse for not painting because that's what I was trying to prevent myself from doing. But there is that part of me that's like when I get down to the tanks and stuff, like maybe I want to do it that way. I just I, I've never, ever touched an airbrush before. So there's a really big part of me that like I'm falling back onto the things that I know. And I know I know how to paint with a paintbrush. I've got all of my, you know, Selinsky cable, uh, sable brushes upstairs. I've painted out of pots. I've got my wet palette. I spent a lot of time. It, and again, wet palettes are I love painting out of my wet palette because it was really nice to be able to close the lid on it walk away and then the next morning just pick it up open the lid and go back to paint like mix the paints up a little bit and go back to go back to work because they do kind of separate the pigments kind of separate from the the drying agents that's in there so but in any case i got 10 battle sisters painted i've got my rhino painted i think i posted pictures on discord of the rhino and I, the the first thing i wanted to do was like i wanted like i had to like i almost just kind of lamenting the fact that i had to pack them up because literally i've had them sitting i, I when i work from home i'm sitting on my dining room table so i have my little box it's got my toolbox it's got all the the paints in it and they were sitting on the top of the toolbox staring at me so as i was working i would constantly look up out of the corner of my eye and see them staring at me like where the like the five models that are the next in line to get painted like come on come on so yeah. Uh, I, I've got, I've gotten bitten by the, the, the painting bug. I know me personally, that's not going to ride for very long. So while I've got it, I need to get it done. So my hope is to have, uh, five more battle sisters and start uh, painting some retributors and maybe set myself a goal by having a whole 1500 point army painted by Christmas. Maybe I don't want it. Like, I don't want to set the thing as like, like by end of September, because then it's just going to be stressful. But if I say by Christmas, I think that's probably a reasonable expectation. Yeah, and then, you know, but, but you have paint on a lot of them, right? Yes, yes, you know, I have paint. So you're, you're well ahead of my game. And then the next thing I need to do is I need to start figuring out, uh, I, I'm avoiding touching the Sisters Repentia, because I don't know if I said this on the show or not, but I'll make sure, I, I have no problem saying this. I, I don't want to do the typical gamer thing and just go with the every Sisters Repentia has Caucasian skin. I want to have a variety of representation inside there only because that makes sense inside the imperium like not everybody is caucasian in the imperium so it makes sense that a lot of the battle sisters would not be so i need to know how to paint what's the politically correct word to say for this non-caucasian skin tones non a variety of skin tones a variety of skin tones that's what i need to do so i need that's probably the next thing i need to start researching because i feel like i have um Sisters of Battle armor painting that because basically retributors are basically just a sister. It's just like painting space Marines. Um, a devastator in a space Marine squad is the exact same thing as a space Marine holding a bolter. It's painting a space Marine with just a different gun. So all of the sisters of battle are all the same thing. Retributors are the same thing as painting Celestines and Celestines are the same thing as painting Sacrosins and Sacrosins are the same thing as painting the sisters of battle. Once you know how to paint one, you know how to paint them all, but retributors are different. They're basically in, <laughs> skin tight underwear and maybe a loincloth over the front with a gigantic eviscerator chainsword over their head. So it's, it's going to be a, a new challenge to kind of go into that. And then I got some games in, I've got quite a few games. Uh, I had, uh, there's a new guy that started coming to the store. His name is Mike. Um, and he plays chaos Knights. And I went from never having played against Knights ever to now i'm on my third game against mike with knights because he's a little bit more toward he's a he's 
competitive adjacent i'll put it that way he likes playing with the guys up there because they're a lot of fun most of the guys at my local game store mostly play for fun they are not super competitive i have a couple that if i want to get a competitive game and he's kind of leaning in that direction of competitive and inadvertently apparently sisters are one of the strongest armies in the game right now so nobody like it's the one army that i want to play and nobody wants to play them because they're really really good so i found mike mike's willing to play it but i've played a lot of games against chaos knights and holy cow that was uh that was an experience to go from being used to picking up five or six models to like oh i've got to drop 26 wounds into that abhorrent model that you've got there or or i die <laughs> so it's been fun we've been getting a lot of games in uh game uh Gabe ended up having himself a competitive game. Um, the most recent codex to come out has been the Chaos Space Marines codex. And uh, Abaddon, or Abaddon, depending on which side of the pond you are on. and Just call him Ezekiel, uh, and we're fine. We're, we'll call him by his first name, or we're good. Um, is apparently I the... don't know if you're on first name terms with the Warmaster of Chaos. You're true. You're uh, right. You're right. you're right. So uh, I'll... Point being, he's a pretty badass model in the game right now. So Gabe got his opportunity, first opportunity to actually play against a competitive um, Chaos Space Marine list and ended up coming out on top on that as well. So we had we had a couple of good games. So, oh, and then the last thing I'll only mention simply because uh, I am going to give this damn Amazon Lord of the Rings series a try. I know there's a lot of controversy from... Is the though... From Tolkien purists. Is there a lot of controversy? So here's the catch. Define a lot. Having not seen the series, I don't know how you can determine ahead of time. 17 people on Twitter. We'll see. uh... Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. My point being is in preparations to mentally prepare myself for that, uh, I've also got done rewatching. I do it once a year, every year, I swear. um, The uncut the extended extension of Lord of the Rings. I just finished that last night. Yep. Like I was getting to the point like, Oh, cool. Frodo dropped off the ring. Yay. I can go to bed. It's 1130. Wait, this movie has Wait. seven endings. I forgot. Yeah. yeah you have uh, another 45 minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, but, they, they even get on the boat early on and it's still a long time. Yeah. It's still, it, it's still as good as it ever was. It, it, admittedly no. are there are there characters that are dropped off did you not get you did not see radagast you did not see tom bombadil i get it and there are a lot of things that are not exactly the same as they were in the books but damn was that a really good series and oh man with like the pitch perfect way to attempt to take a a, a a gigantic book like that and convert it to film i think it's a masterpiece and i thoroughly enjoyed it I think I think what makes it so good, and I've never read the books, but I think what makes it so good is the cinematic experience and the sound yes. experience that you get out of that. That people can forgive Jackson for not putting those stories or adding Arwen into the story and all of those things, you know, or the or House or the fact that Saruman never actually made it to the Shire to actually you know, have Frodo's vision come through that he's actually going to put the enslave the hobbits. Like he peeled that right. part out of the story because it would have added another two hours to the movie. Um, even the score, the score alone. I think that's probably the, the, as soon as you, as soon as the Lord of the Rings song comes and you start getting the music into it, it just, it just, it's like a, a warm blanket. It snuggled me in and I was just locked in for three days watching what four hours, each of those movies. Oh, it was so good. 
so good. Yeah, the, the other thing that's nice about it, too, is, like, for me, I play D&D, you know, as a younger, so it, it kind of brings that feeling back. You know, it was like a big D, D&D campaign in three movies. 100%. 100%. You know, and, and you could see your character if you, you know, because Gandalf is a character that people modeled, modeled wizards after. Everybody Hobbits. wanted to, everyone to be Oregon, and yeah, yeah, you know. So, so the mod, you know, when you look at it, the D and D characters, a lot of them were probably modeled off of Aragorn, and you know, Gimli I mean, my last D and D character was basically Legolas, like a like yeah, like, legit, yeah, legit. like a Legolas, <laughs> yeah, you know, because I, that's I the could art. put my Chad hat on and say that Legolas actually hit things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it still only counts as one. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's the thing about Lord of the Rings is the beauty of it is, is it's like an experience every time you watch it. You know, yeah. if you're there to if you're there to watch it, it's a great experience. It's a great movie and it's standing the test of time, you know, 100%. unlike other unlike other movies that are older or even younger that are kind of like that, that don't stand that test of time. You know, special effects might not be as good or. You know, your quality of TV nowadays can diminish those looks. Yeah, you know? there is a little bit of that because, of course, I'm watching it on my 4K TV and I'm playing it on the PS5 that upscales all the cool stuff. But even if, to be honest with you, I didn't notice anything. The only thing that I would have maybe, if I had any little gripe at all, is because it's upscaled so much, you can tell the copy and paste that they did for like the war scenes. Like you can see like, oh, there's all these orcs and they all are basically doing the same thing. You can almost see that orc over there doing the exact same right. thing that, that orc over there is doing. But I never picked that up in the theater when I saw it. I never picked it up the 17 or 20 times I watched the movie before. It was only watching it just this time going, oh, okay, I pick up that little detail. Yeah. Um, I think the, the battle at the start, um, at the end of the second age, is it? I can't remember. Okay, so the, there's a couple- the last alliance, sorry battle is pretty yeah i noticed that quite early on the like, helms, even at the, the helms time deep, helms deep one that, no. yeah well yeah, that one that's has the one it. that i noticed it in that that one has it and i've noticed it in when they're talking about um the sealed door and you know that battle with the sealed door yeah. taken out yeah the very opening sequence, the very opening yeah. sequence yeah but at the same time i mean it's cheaper to copy and paste than it is to build more sure. modeling and sure. everything sure, which sure, it, sure. Like, it didn't detract oh. see and, not and at all not that, at all that's the thing that like i don't look for those things unless i really feel like an ass that day and try to look for those things well i must have oh, felt uh, like an ass oh, that every, every 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 show sean every show <laughs> but that having all been said i still Again, beginning to end, love that movie from the first frame to the last. Like it, it, it is in my mind one movie, just broke it up into, in my case, six discs, one yeah. movie, fourteen hours long. Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's you know, it, it is an epic series. You know, if you're watching that, I've I've only seen I think the first of the Hobbits that came out. Same, and to and then me. It, it's, well, to me, it was just because I'd never read The Hobbit, but to me, that it was nothing like Lord of the Rings. You know, so, to, like cinematically, it didn't feel the same. But also, you know, Lord of the Rings is also it's an overland adventure rather than you know a an adventure that's in you know there's just so much interior stuff to me, or in forest stuff or things that it just doesn't feel the same. 
The problem that I had with it, and legitimately, I gave the first movie a chance because it was one of the first books I remember reading as a young teen. I don't know how you break that up into three movies. And the only way that they did is they brought a whole bunch of other stuff from the Cimmerillion in, which, okay, fine. That's still technically Tolkien, but then they created a whole bunch of new shit. Like it, it's surprising to me. So this kind of, kind of go full circle. It's surprising to me to hear some of the detractors of the new Amazon series that's coming out saying Tolkien flat out said that, you know, you know, it would be bastardizations of my characters if they weren't done properly. And they're using the Peter Jackson trilogy the first trilogy as the gold standard of peter there's an interview that peter jackson did said we didn't want to inject our own politics our own thought process we wanted to try to make the most truest representation of tolkien's thoughts from page to screen to then have peter jackson 10 years 15 years later whatever the gap was to do exactly what amazon's doing and no one talks about that part of it like they hold these three movies up in reverence and they should be because they are masterpieces but then don't look at the same director from the same production company doing the same thing that Amazon's doing and don't, and they, they don't shit talk that they'll, they'll, talk, well, they'll, they'll hold the these problem, three up. The so, problem but, to begin with there, Ed, is people are shit talking something, you know, I, like, I, I disagree. So I, I will say <laughs> that the world we live in now is different to the world we lived in 15 years ago. I agree. People shit talked that to their friends in person. Now those same seven people are shit talking it on <laughs> on Twitter, but this suddenly seven people posted something on Twitter, and then because it's a slow news day, sorry, it's not actually slow news day, but then you'd have to report actual news like what's going on around the world rather than right. what's going on in Twitter, which is not a real place. Right. But you know, that's you know, a bigger, very different conversation. It's interesting because Growing up, when I grew up, you know, you didn't have any of this stuff. Oh, God, no. You even did, you didn't even have information about movies coming out until, you know, they, they sent, you know, whatever the, uh, whatever you call it, the advertising and stuff for the movies out. That's when you would start to learn. Like, you didn't know about um, Empire Strikes Back until, what, 78? Yeah, when, when they sure actually started sending out press for it yeah like, you know and you, you knew get, and you, you knew with the rumor toys. mills two and a half years before productions even started that it's a a glimmer right. in someone's production agent's eye that they'd like to make this movie like we do to today today you know today movies are ruined before they're even put to print and and that's no joke you know in you the look at the... public opinion by a sm certain small group i agree exactly because i look at I look at people who bitch and moan about what they're putting out from Disney, you know, in Star Wars and in the Marvel stuff, the the Marvel cinematic stuff that they're putting on Disney Plus, and they're bitching and moaning about it. And then you hear the stories, well, Andor is going to save everything. I don't want that fucking expectation on Andor. No, That's I just want favorite. a cool Star Wars TV show. That's, That's my it. favorite Star Wars character now. I want it to be an Andor story. And you know what? I hate to say it. But it's going to introduce new characters, which means it's going to take away from Andor, which means it's going to do the same thing Obi-Wan did in a way, because we know there's two seasons of Andor coming for sure. So you have to use first season to set up second season. Yep. And so you're going to pull away from Andor a, a little bit to set up that entire Rebel alliance. You know how the, this is. So this we got to do this. We, I'm sorry. We, go ahead. Well, well, this is now the story of the Rebel alliance. How it and forms. How it formed. 
Right. So we got into this interesting conversation at the at the the game store because uh, obviously eventually at some point in time this Star Wars always comes up in every game store you're ever in. And one of the things I think that I said at the game store on Tuesday was I think the the Andor series to me is exactly the direction that Disney should go. Because you have myself included, I 100% put myself in this in this group, a bunch of Star Wars purists that aren't particularly happy with how they handled all of the characters from the classic movies that we knew and loved growing up wasn't particularly hot where they have excelled in my opinion, have been characters that had nothing to do with those series. So some of my favorite movies that they've done rogue one with the minor exception of a brief, brief glimpse of Vader and princess Leia at the end of that movie, none of those characters were and the voices that they and I love the fact that they pulled the original voices and 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 visual effects from some of the original X-wing pilots that they put into there. Thought that was a cool tilt. And then yeah, you had the Moff, you, you, you had the the Moff Tarkin kind of stuff. But eh. point being, he wasn't a major character. He wasn't one considered one of the main ones. And it was still a fantastic movie. And I am still. I will stand on the. I will die on this hill. I liked the Han Solo movie. But it was a Han Solo that we had never seen before. And right. what do we need the movie for? Because I really wanted to know some other stuff. And I still think that Donald Glover is my new, I mean, and no disrespect to Billy D. Williams in any way, shape, or form. He's he's now my Lando. When in my mind, when I in my head canon, that's Lando Calarizian. Um but even like Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, they did a really, really good job. There's a whole bunch of new characters that we hadn't seen. It, it, they seem to excel. The Mandalorian is probably the best example. I was trying to avoid saying it, but it is probably the best example. Disney seems to excel whenever they are playing in the Star Wars universe with non-previously canon characters, which is why I genuinely think that Andor is going to be a good show. A, because it's exactly the show that Sean wants. Probably no Jedi. I hope not. No Jedi, no not. Force. It's just going to be the dark underbelly of, you know, yeah. life in the Empire, which is why Mandalorian is is good. There's they're getting more Jedi-ish stuff in, but for the most part, that's the, that's the general run of the story. I think Andor is going to take all of it away, and it's just going to yeah. be that dark, gritty, trying resistance fighter kind of stuff under the, under the underbelly of the Empire. I think that's going to be a cool show. But it, you're right; it's going to have to introduce a whole bunch of new characters, so, and I think so that's a good thing. So going back to something you said, Ed, about being a purist, are you a purist because they're not using the legend stories, or are you a no, purist? No, okay. so because the, I know there's 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 two two sides to that side. So if we want if we want to get if we want to get yeah if if we want to get down to it, the purist in me is I have a problem with the way that Hollywood and TV shows are currently being made that are purchasing an ip and star wars is an example but they've done this in other areas as well where they purchase an ip for a very very large amount of money because the reason why a corporation would do that is because they want to buy the fan base that is associated with it it's the whole adage we need to spend money to make money i'm going to spend four point some odd million dollar billion dollars to buy star wars because i want to bring that star wars fan base over here and take all the money that's in their wallets and put it into our account and then they take that IP and twist it and turn it to, okay, so we have these cool characters, but we really want to write these new stories with these new characters. So the only way that we can logically make that happen is to make those old characters suck and make everyone hate them again. So that you have to like the new ones. And I don't think that, I don't, I, don't agree, I, I don't agree with that portion of it. 
No. What I think what I think it is is that you have. I can a provide examples. Would you like to hear well, them? No, no, no. But, no, <laughs> hear no, me no. First, so, so, sorry, Sean. Ed just said he can provide an example of somebody at Disney saying that they wanted to ruin <laughs> all of the original characters. Oh no, no, no! no. It, like, that's it, what no, you no. just said. Before, I said I can provide examples. Before you I go down that go. road, before you go down that road, I think the problem that 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 people have, and this is my opinion on that problem, and I'm now asking you, Ed, is it's hard to do something with characters that have a gap in age from their 30s, 20s and 30s into their 60s, 70s and 80s. Sure. And try to utilize those characters and make it coherent. Because if they would have done, and think about this, if they would have done Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire series in the 90s. So if they would have come back, so 83 Empire ends, Timothy Zahn series starts... And it's the only Legends books I have ever read. But if they were fantastic, yes, and they actually kind of fit into the original trilogy better than anything else. Rumor always was that you would have talked to talked to Lucas, and that's the way he wanted it to go originally. Correct. Now, if you would have done that in let's just say '89, you know, done that six years later, those books are set a little bit of time after the end of the Empire. And you you told that story. I think it would have been great for those characters. Sure. Okay? But when you have Leia, who is you know in her sixties, and yeah. you've had in, in the only stories you've had of Leia up to the point of being sixty years old is everything in Legends that they they you know basically bookshelved. You don't have a storyline. You know what what do you do with aged characters? So I'll make I'll make a fairly controversial Star Wars purist statement in saying that I was fine with the idea of Disney bookshelving those books to allow them the freedom to be able to create new Star Star Wars stories. I was fine with. It. I understood it. Um, from a financial perspective, it puts them at a point that they are paying residuals to artists who wrote books or during that time frame that they're going to continue to have to pay residuals moving forward. I understand financially the decision that Disney made and why they made it. And I totally support it. I was fine with the idea of, okay, the Timothy Zahn series and all the stuff that followed after didn't happen, but you're right. Where do we pick the story up with 60 or 70 year old actors? Yep. And I, and I'm still a proponent of the fact I totally understood the reason why the force awaken was the force awakens that they had to make a safe star Wars movie. And if I had to pick one of the three from that trilogy, I still kind of like that movie. I'm not going to lie. I still kind of like it. Like it, well, it was it's a safe. A star- it's a new hope retold. Yeah. That's all. They, that did is. they retell the whole story? Sure. Did they, was it beat for beat? No. But what it did is at the end of that movie, sure. It retold you a story that you've probably already heard and as a Star Wars person, you should have already heard, but it left you in a position of having so many questions about these whole new characters that were introduced to the storyline that could have gone in better directions. I don't feel that they, <clears throat> executed that very well and again it's the star wars one we're going to peel out but i could pick this out uh netflix bought the resident evil license to be able to make a live action resident evil series and i i don't even know what the fuck that was supposed to be because it wasn't resident evil and i still and i make the same argument for the movies that were made previous as much as i like milo jonovich i that's not resident evil i don't know what that is i don't know why you spend the month they spent 250 million dollars for capcom to allow them to take that series and made some cw team drama that uh, so, kind of 
kind of mentioned the word umbrella a couple of times in the T virus. Well, on Resident episode. Evil, though, the, there's a there are a bunch of people who Mila Jovovich would embody Resident Evil. Sure, 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 sure. And you're right. You're 100 percent right. But this series didn't even attach itself to that either. No, but, so, I, <laughs> but what I'm saying, I, it, it's, and I agree. That's okay, I agree. though. Like, it's the same perspective. Like there's younger people who associate the the prequels yeah. with that's their Star Wars, or there is generation that's yeah. growing up now that associates the 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 new trilogies as that's their Star Wars. I, I 100% understand that. Yeah, and like yeah. I don't. We we go around the house on this like a couple of times a year. A couple of times a year. Like, let's, kick, let's kick this one around it's, for it's a fine. Like, and it actually fits the show theme anyway. So yeah, sure I'm not. I I'm not trying to say that I I. I don't know. I just don't care about the the new ones, but that's okay. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, from my perspective, even if, to... and even if they are bad, people are allowed to make bad movies. Like people can do things wrong and make mistakes. Whatever. Like yeah, it, Christmas, I don't Christmas think special it... exists, and George Lucas one hundred percent greenlit that project. I'm right there with you. I guess from my perspective, and again, I'll try to take this out of the Star Wars arena specifically, in the fact that I don't understand why you would spend that kind of money to not deliver a product that the fans that you paid for would enjoy. I don't. That's, that's, that's what I, do, that's what I, I don't I, understand. I don't. But do you think they set out to deliver? Yeah, see, I don't think that. People, I don't think. Like, they, I don't think they set out that way. But so there you go. So, I, so they made a mistake and got it wrong. There's no. They and, didn't set out to get it wrong. They right. just got it wrong. That's to okay. me. To me, the same mistake. you have Mandalorian the same mistake? What's that? Uh, so you don't like the Mandalorian then? No, I think Mandalorian. But you know, you just said to keep making the same mistake. I think that they're starting to correct the course with that. We'll see how it goes. But how, but how long are you going to hold on to um, the Rise of Skywalker and I, Last Jedi? My... How, like, how many successes that, that you do like until you forgive that one? Is the answer never? Because it could be. You're no, allowed to never no, forgive them. But no, at some I don't point, think I think it becomes a you problem, not a them problem. And exactly, it's ex- and you're, you're correct in the fact that at some point in time, that if I continue to hold on to despise of those two movies, that's on me. It's not necessarily on the films themselves. I can just let them go and move on from there. To be fair, that is a that is a fair point and a fair argument. I guess for me, it's I guess having seen what watched that because Res- I was kind of excited for that Resident Evil TV show and was so disappointed. It, I don't know, like. You hear, and again, this is 100% great assault, and I know it's all rumor, it's all idiots on the internet, I'm I will accept all that statement, but you hear like the the, the Batman TV sh- the movie that just got pulled off the shelves by Warner Brothers. Now, the the, the official reasoning is that they, they pulled it off the shelf because it had poor test screenings. I was looking forward to that movie, and the reason why I was looking forward to that movie was there was a rumor that they were, had brought Michael Keaton back to play oh, Batman. Is that the, Bat- is that the Batgirl? One. The Batgirl yeah. movie that Warner Brothers oh, spent ninety million dollars and then pulled off the shelf, and it it screened poorly. The rumor is the reason why it screened as poorly as it did is they killed Michael Keaton's character off very early in the movie. That's not what I heard at all. Oh, really? What would you hear? I heard that Michael Keaton wasn't in the movie a lot. He had like five scenes, and one of those was like an end credit scene, which is him and Batgirl actually do team up and work together. Oh, that's interesting. So was, you... like, all, all of us, all of the scenes I heard about were like um, him telling a not like. There's only two scenes with him curled up, and one of them's a post-credit scene, 
and one of them was basically him affecting with coming in to save her and telling her that she shouldn't be doing it. Oh, and see, that was the only. I still would have seen that because I could see, especially Keaton being. You would have seen it, but you would have been disappointed, and then it would have been a film that you hated that ruined. I don't Batman, know. I don't know about that. If it had been done, why, like, why would they have bought Batman and dist- and purposely gone out of the <laughs> way to release a movie to alienate you, Ed? Why would Warner Brothers? <laughs> was it, it wasn't. <laughs> and now that they've done the if... other thing to try and not do a bad film, it was going to be the best film ever. So why would Warner Brothers do this? The voice if, of reason, but, folks. The voice of reason, yeah, folks. Yeah, the reason why he's got the body that he does. I guess if they would have made that particular <laughs> movie, because like I remember, what was the what was the series that followed up the animated series, the Batman animated series, which is a big part of my childhood because it came on right as you got off the bus from school. Um, there was the one that followed it up where Bruce Wayne was a much older version, and he was um, bringing Night was Batman the, Beyond. Batman Beyond. Thank you. That's the one I, I couldn't draw the name. I, I could I've have never seen, seen it, but I know what I'm just. But I could have there. seen that in the role of like an older Michael Keaton, an older Bruce Wayne, bringing up the next one. If, and if it turned out to be Batgirl, that's fine. I'm okay with the character. I'm okay with all of that. That would have been fine. That well, would have been okay. The rumor, that the the test screening stuff that I saw was that they, and maybe this is the one that got it pulled because that's the one they were going further with. His character was killed off and killed off very early, and that they were replacing him with her, which is also the reason why the Supergirl movie got literally, they were in filming and production canceled and just stopped because they were going to bring Henry Cavill back to do a scene for Superman dying and that, and they were going to replace him with the other character. And the, the lead developer, the person who's now in charge of lead and developing for Warner brothers was like, you can't take our two biggest money-making characters, kill them off and replace them and expect this to go well. So he pulled one movie and stopped the other and said, no, that was the rumor that I that I had I had read down those streets. Uh, ultimately, the, I'm a the, the cynic in me believes that they had a bunch of success with release the Snyder Cut, so sure. they're just going to do that again. Oh, Batman, Batgirl's not really generating much hype. We tried throwing Keaton in it to pull in the Eds of the world and get them hyped and up. Brendan I have a soft spot in my heart for Brendan Fraser. I love him as an actor, and I know that he's going through some like personal issues. And I genuinely wanted to support a movie that he was in, just because I like him. You know that they got the money, yeah. I know that he got paid, but like, no, I I I agree. He got paid, and he's got all of the love, and he's not in a shit movie. If it was Paul, it's a shit movie. That's a good thing, Ed. I know, I know. Yeah. Why? You know, one 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 thing. One thing. So so. On the surface of all of this, you know, fandoms are finicky. That's one yeah, thing I will say. I think it's probably the core I've, of it right there. I've got a good one for you, right? Are you yeah. ready? This is going to summarize Star Wars and everything, and I feel like it will probably be unanimous to receive when I pitch at you in this way. So, you know, they've like greenlit a new series of Firefly or a Firefly reboot? Yes. You yes. understand that that's going to be a worst decision they've ever made, yeah? Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. Because right, that, that cannot be a success, right? Right, no. because we've already Can... we're already failing it before it even starts. No, it's, no it's, I don't not, think it's... none of it's relevant. Like, so think right. of the best thing you could ever have, Sean. Right, right. I'm going to call something the the name of that, and then not give it to you. Whatever right. I give you is going to be worse, because whatever I give you isn't going to be the best thing you ever imagined. And that's so where, for I, me, whatever I do, I will have disappointed you. This, this is why I'm so glad that I don't like. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I could walk away from it and be fine. Yeah, and because 
And it's probably an age thing, you know, for me being a little bit older and being there from the beginning, you know, seeing it at seven and being there from that beginning of it. I have a different view of it. I don't want to see those main characters. I didn't want to see sequels with those main characters unless you reboot the damn thing like they did Star Trek. And and my reasoning for it is, is because I had no loyalty to those characters. What I had loyalty to was the universe. So I loved the ships. I loved the concept of the guards at the beginning on the blockade runner, because that's what it was called back then, was the blockade runner. It was. It was before we got the Tana Sitting there sacrificing themselves while the stormtroopers are, are funneling one at a time through a door, and none of those guys could hit more than two of those stormtroopers at the beginning. And those guys are sacrificing themselves so that these two droids could get off a ship, literally, with stolen plans. And they're the story of Star Wars. You know, as a seven-year-old kid, to me, the story of Star Wars was through the eyes of C-3PO and R2-D2. And when you go back to the prequels, you lost C-3PO for the first movie. You still had R2-D2, and you saw the origin story for R2-D2, but it didn't it wasn't the story through their eyes. It was the story through Obi-Wan's eyes. So they changed how they did it. And, and this is what I'm getting at. So when, when Star Trek got canceled, Star Trek, the next generation was coming online. Everybody said Star Trek, the next generation is going to suck because it doesn't have Captain Kirk. It doesn't have Spock. What did they do though? Is they replaced those people. You know, and that's what they, they should have the done. They advanced the line far enough it, that those characters didn't matter. They did their little tip of the hat in the in the or, um, pilot or, episode. Or you do, or you do what they're doing now. Take a prequel, so the prequel to Episode Four, make a movie out of it, and then make a series out of it. Why yeah. did we have Why did we have Obi Wan Kenobi series? Because everybody wanted an Obi Wan Kenobi series. My whole point, and I've said it so many times, Obi-Wan Kenobi series would have been great if it would have been him, 10 episodes of him reading the Tatooine Times, <laughs> sitting on the <laughs> toilet, because if he did anything else, people would be pissed off at the things that he's doing and the story they're telling. And guess what happened? People are frustrated because it didn't tell the story that they wanted. Yeah, it told another it's story. What it's the story they've built up in their head. Correct. It's, it's the inner story. It. It's that inner yeah. dialogue story. That's what I live without, which is nice. You know, I that can read a book. Life. I can read a book. 2010: A Space Odyssey. It's one of my favorite books. And oh, the I best, haven't picked that up in a long time. I should pick that one up. That the best part of that book isn't in the movie, and that's when the CN lands on Europa, yeah. and you know they all die. That is the best part of that book. Why? But why does? Not, why not do I not get? Now. What's that? I'm not bothered reading it now, then. <laughs> it's only like a 60-year-old book at this point. Yeah, it's pretty old. Spoiler you know, alert. But, but when, yeah, you, when you look at that for me, I can get over that. The best part of the book, not being in the movie. You know, because they did replace it in the movie. But I can still enjoy the movie, even without that piece. It's why, it's why you know, if I read Game of Thrones, it wouldn't bother me that they changed the last, you know... They ran out of material, so they couldn't finish the thing, you know, the way that Martin would write it. And that's why I'm saying fandoms that are That implies so... Martin's going to write it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Too, you know, 
But but that's got, my point with this is that Game of Thrones TV shows he's got to write. What's, why would he I, want to do that? <laughs> I really think that people in our day and age right now, people want to be disgruntled about things, and they find reasons to be disgruntled. No, you know? so there there is probably a lot to be said about it. It kind of goes along with that series of writings. How like whenever you're writing a horror story, you're writing a, a science fiction horror story. You never show the monster in the first 10 minutes of the movie. You only, right. you, you only show it in the shadows and the darkness and, ooh, there's a glimpse of it here or uh, what Ridley Scott Or a noise like, or a yeah, sound. 10 yeah. frames of hands reaching out of, a, out of a vent and then it cuts right away. You don't really see it until the end of the movie. You don't tell the prequel to that because you've, you're, whatever story you tell to that is not going to be as good as whatever headcanon I've already built up in my head right. as to where they come from. And right. once you hear the dis- answer nine times out of ten, you're going to be disappointed with what it was. Did you like Prometheus? I liked it as a movie. I didn't like it as an alien prequel. I, I saw what – so I'm in a weird place with Prometheus because I'm a gigantic <laughs> fan of that series. Right. And it probably has come a lot with those alien RPG books that I've got sitting over there because they're really leaning kind of heavy into the the black goo and the stuff that comes out of that into the into the alien prequel series because I get it. I get what – what Ridley Scott's trying to say, like, there's only so many times you can show the monster. I've already showed the monster. So like, what, what else can I do? I mean, I can tell the story 17 different ways, but it's the same story. So Mm -hmm. it's got to go some other direction. I understand what he was going for in that movie. The cinematography is beautiful. The score is gorgeous. The whole film is, but as an alien prequel, it was disappointing. It's the same stance that I have on the last Jedi, the same one that I've, I've rested on in the last Jedi. The Last Jedi is a good movie. It is a, a bad, movie. bad Star Wars movie. Prometheus is a good movie. It is a bad alien prequel. And then he did the same thing that Disney did with Rise of Skywalker, tried to make a more fan servicey film, which turned out to be even worse with yeah. Alien Covenant. Yeah, but that's kind of what happens. You got to make money somehow and you're taking the risk. And you're putting products out that aren't mm-hmm. gonna that aren't gonna satisfy everybody. Let's 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 run this to a close because we're, oh, God, yeah, we're well hour over. and hour and fifteen minutes in, I think, or I, I mean, hour long shows we're supposed to do. Yeah, I, I did. I did brief you, Sean. You know, it'd be a nice short one. Apart from when we talk, uh, from well, us talking, yeah. What happens when we're away from a month? Yeah, that's true. But mine will be quick. So I have three things going on at one time. Um, I have my son moving home, which means it's upending the my office room and stuff like that, which means it upended my original idea for an arcade, which I had to move the arcade downstairs to my basement, which is fine, but I had to prep it and I still have to paint it. But right now the machines are going in and I've sent you guys pictures of where it's at so far yeah. with with five machines still needing to be built and another one coming. And now I'm stressing about the amount of room that I have in that space because I may not have enough room to do everything I want to. So anyway, so that's happening with my son moving home. But gaming-wise, other than playing some arcade games, because when you have an arcade, you got to play arcade games. I would hope you're playing a lot of arcade games. Uh, not yet. I will once it's done. It's, you know, it's kind of like me with TV shows. You know, I'd rather... Wait till it's all done, then try to watch it and you sure, know, sure. and then live in anticipation. So yeah, I'm in debate on whether or not I, when I put my HBO Max subscription back up, do I wait to the end of the series and watch it all in a weekend and then cancel it again, or do I do I that's, do the that's, that's now what I'm going to do with Netflix. When something I want on, 
I'll pick it back up for the month and then I'll, you know, be canceled again because I'm not doing Netflix long term because they keep raising the price and yeah, you now, know. now they're gonna put ads in it. Yeah, I just signed up for uh, Paramount Plus to. Um, I did too. Finish. Yeah. Um, uh, for, but, for what reason? Yeah, I just had a question. So I wanted, to, I watched the um, the players uh, series from League of Legends. Um, oh, kind of, it, it's yeah. pretty funny actually. It's worth watching. Um, giant pinch of salt because like it's cringe as fuck. But if you go in <laughs> with that mentality, of, yep. but yeah, it's like um, a fake esports team and a full season of like getting a rookie player and. But yeah, it, it's pretty well. It does what it's trying to do really well, but it is where it's trying to be cringe. It does it really well, so it's really fucking cringe. <laughs> um, and then I was gonna, I got it because when I was in the UK, Jono has Paramount Plus for all the Star Trek stuff, and we were watching that. He said he watched episode one, so we we watched it together and watched like all nine episodes that were out. And then episode 10, the last one, dropped as I'd left. Like, the day I had to leave, the last oh. episode came out. And I, I've, it's been two weeks, and I was like, you know what? Just fuck it out. Suck it up. I'll just pay the five bucks. I want to know what the end of it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's but, kind of similar to what I did. It's, I yeah. did the same thing. Um, Strange New Worlds is... Uh, I watched a couple of episodes of that, and that was pretty good. Um just dipping your toe into it as um an epi- um a monster of the week kind of um Star Trek yeah, they show. Went, they went mm. back to the, like the original yeah. formula. From what I, yeah. I've not seen it, I, I I I am ashamed to say that I've kind of avoided some of the new Star Trek, but I'm waiting for a show that would really oh, in it. That well, I, do it. I've watched series one of Discovery. I tried to watch season two, and I just I was like, you know what? I just, I've, I'm just not interested. Uh, Lower Decks is the best Star Trek currently in production. I tried. I tried tried to watch Picard, and I didn't. There's fine. I mean, you know, that's why Galaxy Quest is the best Star Trek movie (laughs) because Uh, it was it was more Trek than any of the Trek movies. Lower Decks, top tier. I I would say it's. What have I watched? I'd put in the top three things that I've watched this year. Ooh, wow. Right, as a, yeah, it's it's really good. It's mm. obviously, it, it starts off and it's just Futurama, but Star Trek. But then about halfway through, you realize how good of a job they're doing at it being Star Trek. And Ooh. then you're like, you know what, this is, yeah. So, would recommend. All right, well, uh, I've, then... I've got to my post because uh, football season's about to start up and that's the only way I get to watch Steeler games. So I'll probably have to maybe take a gander yeah um so, and then so pray as well sean watch what pray pray yeah pray i have not people. yeah i mean i was kind of burnt out with uh you know predator after predator 2 you know when when danny glover survives <laughs> I, and kills the predator i really thought predator jumped the shark at that point and i read concrete jungle as a teenager and i had the comics and yeah, Predator Two is not Concrete Jungle. Mm-hmm. It's a a sad imitation. I right. was Ed, only I was like fifteen, so I was entitled to that mindset at that 100%. time. Right. 
Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll get to it. You know, it's, it's like, I, I'm not, I'm not the a big fan. Behind it's really cool. I, I don't agree with that, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's to me, it's just another show that they're rehashing. Once again, it's a retro show, you know, it's, it's reskinning an old video game to me, you know, that's kind of what they're doing with it. Um, yeah. Let me finish my, let me finish oh, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here real quick. Um, so one thing I did, did run into is I went to a local con for about two hours. I have way too much going on to be able to, I paid for it and went and met a couple friends there and stuff. And I played a game called Marvel United. Hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever heard. Yeah. It's the TV type Marvel figures. Yeah. It's the TV type Marvel. You get a character deck and you're fighting villains and you know, it has a teamwork aspect in it and it's really good. It's very beer and pretzel game. Very easy to learn, you know. If you had, we had three players, it took us like thirty-five minutes to lose. You know, it was that good of a game. You know, that sounds interesting. Yeah, very, very much beer and pretzels. Um, so I did what I always do, and I basically bought everything for it. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was a game that was put out on Kickstarter, so it was a Kickstarter did game. You buy everything? Do you have a Galacticus? Uh, not yet. Um, I ha- I have the Kickstarter exclusive stretch goal box that I bought. Yeah. Um, I have the Marvel United, the base game, the Spider-Man expansion that, and that came with Doctor Strange, which he's yeah. also in the Kickstarter exclusive. And then I also bought the X-Men Marvel United game, which yeah. plays with the base game too. Yeah. I have not gotten the Galactus yet because I haven't been able to find it yet. I, I wouldn't. Even if you find one, Sean, don't get it. You don't need okay. it. Okay. I promise you, you won't be disappointed <laughs> by not having it. Yeah. You know, but, you know, so I got into a game that I played once and will play with my other, you know, game group friends and stuff. Um, so looking forward to get that on the table, you know, getting them out of Saran Wrap and or the wrap and getting them on the table. So, yeah. So that's pretty much been my month. Um, it's working on the basement, working, of course, and then um, a little bit of gameplay. And I, I play Project Zomboid every Wednesday with my game group. And we've restarted the server three times because I keep adding <laughs> mods into it that just make it much more immersive and better. So, um, but beyond that, that's that's pretty much my story for the last month. has been pretty boring, but you know, just trying to get things completed with my son moving back. So, so with that said, um, so tonight's main topic is going to be about retro gaming. And it's something that I have learned about within the last six months that it even existed. And it's very, it's, it's very, <laughs> it's very intriguing to me, the points of views on retro gaming. And one of the things like I'm into arcades Ed's into consoles. Yes. I don't know, Chris, do you have a retro game? Um, I uh, used to collect stuff when I still lived in the UK. Now I have um, like the the mini consoles that they re-released, and um, I've hacked stuff onto my PSP and stuff like that. Okay. So, so with retro gaming, in, in the arcade community, it's really weird because... Right now, companies mostly put out multi-cades. You know, you're not going to go out and you're not going to find a Galaga-only arcade machine. You're going to find a Galaga-wrapped, we'll say, arcade machine, but it'll have multiple games on it. And 
but you also have the purists that still buy the old games, you know, the old original arcade machines, because they do still exist. Um, and, you know, they come with all the problems that, you know, a 40-year-old, 50-year-old game is going to come with. But what's interesting to me is, is the argue. So first off, we, you know, we talked about how movies and people prejudge movies and things like that, or get disgusted if something isn't the way that they wanted it in a movie. It's actually the same in the arcade community, which is funny to me. You know, I just learned about the arcade machine. So there's, there's three companies that I'm working, like I'm buying from one is called, um, uh, arcade one up, which are three quarter size arcade machines. And those are like, you'll have one of my machines is a Frogger machine that has a Frogger wrap on it, but then it has time pilot and time pilot 88 or whatever it is. And, but it's wrapped in that, that Frogger. And you have people that get frustrated because those machines don't have the original artwork, the original IP artwork that was out yeah, in the arcades. Yeah, about this, that the artwork's not quite the same. So it's, it, you know, <laughs> once again, when, when you have a machine, nine times out of 10, because you're limited on space at home, you're cramming machines together anyway. So you're never going to see the artwork to begin with. The second company I'm working, you're buying from is called at games. And they're kind of an interesting company because their machines, they come preloaded with some console games and like Atari type games, things like that. And they have about 300 and some games on their systems. Um, but they also have, so they have a large ultimate arcade machine. They have a single player arcade machine, and then they have a pinball machine. And I think in the future, they're going to come out with a machine that's for driving games that you can put driving Ooh. games on. But what they did is they kind of open sourced their system, which is interesting to me because there's something called CoinOps X, which once again, never knew any of this existed, which is a bunch of people that are basically taking ROMs and, you know, putting, making them so they're downloadable and you can play on this, you know, on these at game machines and play basically any arcade game that ever existed. And, and the majority of arcade games that have existed are mostly Japanese arcade games, you know, because they really rule that market when it comes to arcade games. And then a lot of those get converted into American games and that's pretty much from the 90s on. In the 80s and 70s, I believe it was mostly, you know, Americans making these games and stuff. But finishing up where I'm getting at is, you know, what, so to me, what 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 this type of gaming is, retro gaming, is it's a way for me to relive what I enjoyed the most in my childhood. You know, I'm, you know, there's games that I played as a kid, like I'd go to a skating party and they'd have the machine there and I'd play it. And then I forgot about it for 30 some odd years and then found the game again. And, you know, now with technology, I can replay those games. But, you know, I know that you guys, you know, have some thoughts on retro gaming and why it's important. Oh, boy, know? do I. <laughs> and, and we'll start with Ed, because I know that you, you know, we've had discussions about this, but, but. You know, what? what is your take on retro gaming? So for me, first of all, I think that everyone 
should have the ability to play the old games that they used to play when they were a kid. The problem that you bump into, especially nowadays, and at the age where we are, um, the hardware is getting harder and harder to find in functional condition. Uh, controllers are getting harder and harder to find in functional condition. Uh, and the physical games themselves, even like the old cart games, like from your Atari, NES, you know, SNES, Sega Genesis kind of thing, aside from the physical conditions and where they're in, are getting absurdly expensive. So the real question for me when you're talking about retro games is what part of that experience was the most important part to you? Does it have to be on original hardware, off of the original cart, plugged into a CRTV because most of these games won't even, those consoles weren't built with HD TVs in mind or LCD screens in mind, pixel perfect uh, replication coming off that they were built in mind with CRTs in, in mind. So the question becomes is, what is the most important part? If you want to, we'll pick a random game. I'm going to try not to pick a Nintendo game because I don't want Nintendo to demonetize this. Uh, I'm a gigantic, the very first console that I ever owned was an Atari 2600. Played the crap out of that. Love that. Is it important to me to play old Atari games with an old Atari controller and the old Atari paddle controller, or is it the game that was more important to me? Does it bother me that it's in four by three ratio because of the ratio that they did for CRTs back then? And it looks funny on my high, on my big screen TV. And the short answer to that question is it's always been the games to me. <laughs> the game to me is what's the most important part of the experience that you have for playing the game. Cause it takes you out like legitimately, whether you've got an old Atari controller, like it nostalgia sometimes when it comes to the retro gaming is better than the actual experience. Cause I remember like, I've gone through this. I went through and bought a brand new Atari new ish, new to me and built up an Atari collection. And I moved on to the NES collection. I had over a hundred NES games and I was getting ready to move into the SNES and Sega Genesis stuff. And then I found, a Raspberry Pi and I started reading videos and watching videos on Raspberry Pis and I started looking around at my room going, do I really have the room to have 200 Atari games, 100 NES games, start getting into a top 50 or top 60 of the SNES collection, top 50 or top 60 of the Sega Genesis connection. Am I really, really willing to put that level of financial commitment into something that I only play on occasion. Is it is it I'm doing it because I want to collect and just own and have, or I'm actually how much time am I actually spending playing on the games? And the decision that I ended up coming to, um, especially for all the old stuff from PS1 down, like you're talking like your anything from the Atari, SNES, NES, you know, TurboGrafx 16s, all Intelligent, Intellivision, yeah, ColecoVision, like those kinds of things. It was the games that was more important to me than necessarily the hardware. So yeah. a Raspberry Pi made the most sense to me. I went out, got myself a Raspberry Pi, loaded it up with a bunch of games, got myself a really nice, you know, Bluetooth uh, controller to co control all of those systems. And when I want to have that nostalgia kick of playing Atari games, I turn it on, play a games, because those games back then were like, those were high score kind of games. And it's yep. all there. Everything that I could ever possibly ever want to play. More games that I probably have enough time in my lifetime to ever put enough significant time in. All on this one little box. No shelf space. None of it. Because what was important to me was the game. I don't have to have the hardware 
nostalgia kick. Like I don't need to have that small NES controller digging into my palms when I'm playing it when I can have a nice form fitting, you know, Xbox controller that does the exact same thing Mm -hmm. and works functionally the same way. It doesn't matter to me that it's not on a CRT, that it's on an HDTV. I can put scan lines on it. Most of these emulators can put scan lines on it. Mm-hmm. And then the last I, I, part. Of, so scan lines, I don't understand. Like <laughs> That is I, genuinely, that is, that is a nostalgia kick. It's because in my mind, that's what I remember super. I, I'm just not going to say Nintendo part. In my mind, that is what Castlevania bloodlines look like on my CRTV when I was playing it on the Genesis. So it doesn't look right to me because again, they designed those games with CRTs in mind. So the pixels are a little bit fuzzy and it's right. super sharp whenever it's on my HD and you, it doesn't visually kick off the same memories that it did. Like, so the whole reason why people do it is to replicate that visualization. That's the only reason why it's there. My right. point, all the games from my childhood that I ever had and ever owned, I have, it's on a little tiny little flash memory card that I put on, hit a button. They're all there. I don't need to have a large stack of games sitting here. And if I want to have that nostalgia kick, it's there. And the, the other side to that, is that some of these games, uh, the companies that currently own those licenses don't give a shit about them. And a lot of these games are being lost to time in that the only way that you can even purchase, like there's a lot of games from Nintendo that you can't buy anywhere. Can't buy them in a Switch store. And unless you physically go out and buy the old hardware in the old carts, you can't play them. So there is a part of me that is... I love the idea of the game preservation part of that so that if anybody ever wanted to go back and play those games, they could. Right. So for me, it doesn't have to be a hundred percent hardware. It doesn't have to be, this is exactly what it was like when I sat on my living room floor playing the Atari in front of my dad's TV, that those old TVs that used to be like a piece of furniture, like it was this whole wooden thing. It doesn't have to be the the old console TVs. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that it's the games. The games is what's important to me. So when you say to me that there is, like, for me, the games in space, I mean, unless you are a single dude with a big, big wallet. With adult money. With adult money, you don't have to have shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves of shelves of games. Because what are are they there for? Like, Mm -hmm. to me, that's collecting dust. It is sitting there and it's not being used. Well, right. I can have something in digital format that does the exact same thing and takes up this much space. It's little. Chris, so my I'll, thoughts, my yeah. thought, those are my thoughts. In yeah. Chris, Chris, on to you. Well, I struggle a lot. So as I've gotten older, I've resigned a lot of it just to being memories. Like when I was still in the Air Force, I would, um, you'd end up doing a shift where you were in charge of a tool store. And all your job was, was to go and get, if someone came and asked for a pressure gauge, you'd grab a pressure gauge and give them a pressure gauge. So I'd take my Super Nintendo with the cartridges in, and I I don't care about being demonetized, so I I would go and play um, Secret of Mana and play through that, or I'd I'd play through Legend of Zelda. I'd start a new game and play it, and then... All right, I'd play, uh, take the PlayStation and play Final Fantasy VII. I'm going to play through that again. Oh, my God, yes. Well, the only time I'd play it was when I was doing that. So the first day would be trying to figure out what I was up to and all of that kind of stuff. Um, 
and I said I a couple well not a couple years but like five years ago probably now I downloaded all the stuff onto a, a PS um a PSP and like did some stuff with that and I've got my I could have opened those game files and play them but I find it very difficult um to because of the way the world is now like if I want to play Resident Evil I've just bought Resident Evil 1 and 0 on the PlayStation 4. Yeah. I've got re- I I've got Amazon Prime last night while I was going through some stuff setting up for a painting stream trying to get that set up. Um uh, it popped up because I was on Twitch that I've got um StarCraft remastered. So I just downloaded StarCraft remastered. Don't worry, I'm not giving like um uh Blizzard any actual money. I'll just I'll <laughs> take the game for free though. Heck right. yeah. So I Is that free for Twitch right right now? <laughs> uh my Twitch Prime thing was on and it let me download it. So yeah, I don't know. Oh hell, I might have to do that because Starcraft was the shit, man. <laughs> yeah. Um and I yeah, I, I haven't found myself like you said, having those memories and things, like I I haven't kept I don't have a PS5, I've not like got a new console, but like I'll play I will play them and I will like it, but the time investment isn't there for me anymore. So it's definitely an indulgence for me now, more than it is a hobby, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, I I collected the games. I, I like this is like I was getting the games I had when I was like twelve to like sixteen, when I was twenty, right? Uh, when I was twenty five, and now and I. Yeah, it was getting games on the the Master System. I, I still have a copy of Wonder Boy and Monsterland somewhere because um, that's like my, one of my first memories of the games I remember kind of playing. I have a copy of um, Separation Anxiety um, on the Mega Drive or the Ge- Sega Genesis uh, because it was one of the the hit games that my uncle, when he was alive, did all of the the backgrounds and level design for. So yeah. I've got, I have retro stuff, but if I, I, and I keep thinking, oh, Evie will be old enough to start playing these games soon. But then she's got her Kindle and she's like showing me a game she's playing now on the, on a Kindle and is really excited about it. And I'm like, do I want to actually sit her down and make her play something just because I played it? You know what I mean? I, right. I went through that. I went through that same run whenever I I got that Darth Vader Atari, and I had the, I had like ten of my favorite games, and the kids were like, "Oh wow, this is kind of cute and, and and hokey," and and then it went away, and they didn't care anymore because you're right. Like they're raising in a game era right now where what they yep. have on their tablets is so much more advanced. Like, oh look, that's a little block with an arrow, and it stabbed that duck looking thing. It's a dragon. <laughs> like, what? yeah. And that's an interesting thing because, you know, when you look at the the old arcade games fit literally on a cell phone now. Yes. You know, on, you know, basically they had the power of what, uh, you know, uh, a Texas instrument calculator, you know, back then that today you would build a machine with all the hardware and the ROM in it that could only support basically that one game, Mm -hmm. you know, and then now you can put all of that onto a stick you know that's an inch long two inches long you know 
and has and, all of them, every game you could ever think of. <laughs> and, and that's the weird thing. Like for me, what I remember the most, because the biggest impact, like I've, I, in high school, I had an NES, you know, I, I had that. And the game we played the most in that was track and field, you know, because <laughs> it was a, uh, no, no, no. We had the, you did on the controller, oh, on the controller, the, you know, we had first the mat you, and you lay on the floor because you yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, I think, even before the mat that that I had that, and we would play, uh, you know, we play track and field, and you know, other games too, but but uh, you know, it, it's just like it, that was cool, but it wasn't like my experiences in the arcade. And for me, the arcade was, you know, there was two experiences in the arcade which you can never ever get in a tactile sense from having everything on a stick or in a pie, which is why I went the route that I did is back then, if you recall, you know, when you went to an arcade and you wanted to play a game, what did you do? Quarter. You put a quarter on oh. the machine to reserve, you know, you, to basically whatever line your quarter was, that's when you got to play the game. And that was one of those things. And it was the ability to watch somebody else play, you know, that gathered around like in war games, you know, when you see uh, what's his name in there playing a game and there's a little kid standing next to him watching him play Galaga, you know, it's like that's something that you can't get from a console, you know, or from, you know, from a Raz. You can. I mean, you could, you know, because you could have 10 people sitting on a couch watching you play. But what was so cool, though, was going from game to game, you know, game machine to game machine and playing the game you wanted to play, picking it that way and stuff. and. So that's kind of where my retro site in this is, is that I bought a machine that I can play every single game. It has a trackball, you know, it has a spinner so I could play my Tempest on it, you know, and enjoy it, you know, and basically play any arcade game. I can plug, you know, I believe I can plug a uh, a steering wheel into it, you know, to be able to use yeah, it. For, port on it. Yeah, you know, that's why I actually bought the one player one so I could do that with it so I can play one game. Basically it's the Ivan Stewart's off road, which I don't know if you guys ever had that experience, but it's probably one of the best racing games I've ever played. And it's not have, a first, it's not a first person racing game. I have, I have very fond memories of rally X. Do you remember rally X? Oh yeah. It was the four steering wheels and yep. like, it, like the car, you just had the tank controls on the cars, but it was yeah. such a cool game. Yeah, and the track, you know, it was a black and white game, and the track, yep. you know, was like an X, basically, you know. But I had different tracks, but, you know, that's the thing to me, is it's the tactile thing for me. It's having the games, having that ambiance, you know, going into the dark arcade. You know, back then you could smoke in the arcades. You yeah, know? yeah, those were the days. Um, you know, and you'd smell, you'd smell the popcorn and hot dog burning and stuff, you know. It's funny you should mention that too, because like one of the before I bought my Raspberry Pi, I bought one of those. Uh, you can find them all over there. You can find you can even find them on Amazon, but you, a lot of the places you'll find them is you'll find them from AliExpress, which are people that are like repurposing like cell phone processors to do something. And you have a lot of these like emulation like handhelds, and right. that was the first thing that I did when I wanted to play retro games was that I got one of those cheapy chinese ones i think cheap in the fact that it cost me like like 80 bucks to get it um chinese handhelds that has all these games on it and it sounded like a really good idea like oh i can just portable and take it all the time this is probably why the switch doesn't re resonate with me in any way 
my memories of playing those games were either sitting on the floor or sitting on the couch with a controller in your hand. Mm-hmm. So playing them like that, like the, when I play the Game Boy games on there, it's totally the f- same experience to me. But when you're right. trying to play like a PlayStation game or a console game on there, like a Nintendo game, it's just, it doesn't feel the same. I have a much better feeling when I'm sitting on my couch playing, we've already cracked the egg on this one. Um, when I'm playing Super Mario Brothers on my Pi with a controller in my hand than I am when I'm sitting there doing it with the handheld. So like, it's interesting to me that Chris, Chris is like, Oh, I put everything on my, um, on the, um, on the uh, PSP. I'm like, I'm wondering like if, if it would be a different experience for him just from that, like you said, the tactile experience of I've got a controller on my hand and it's on my TV. Cause this is what, this was the experience I remember was watching it on my TV as I'm right. putting the controller in my hands. You'd hear the Atari stick creak as you're playing with it. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I, it's not that I'm immune to those feelings, but like the things that I remember and hold on to is like we go to the uh, the big arcades in in Southport, and like, I, I still like I asked Joe, can we go to Southport? And it's like Chris, we're in Canada. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you know, a, a little seaside town. Like, um, it's like forty minutes away, and my my grandmother and father would take me. And like we'd go on the train, and it's like they didn't drive and all, and it was like a day, and then we were poor, so I couldn't, I, I couldn't play Street Fighter Two because that was like fifty p. I could play Rampage because it was five p. So I, I'd get my like my five p, and I wanted to make it last. Right. So I I right. play the older games, and like it's the old icky carpets, and like this will be relevant to uk people but like the uh, the labor club kind of feel and it's a small key environment you've got the people with the 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 one-armed bandits and the um the i don't know if we have them over in uh, north america but it's the the sliding um things where you have like coins on them and it's got to push them off and they've all got oh, the yeah. curved lip so that yep. the coins will never fall off yeah, but, they, yeah they have coin yeah. pushers that's kind of yeah. what that's kind of what arcades are today. Yeah, you know. Um, but that, that kind of environment, like my grandmother would go on the coin pushes, my grandfather would be playing on the uh, the bandits, and I'd wander around find games I could play and just try and make my money last, so I didn't have to go and ask him ask him for more. And like, it doesn't matter what the game is. Which that is, part of my life a, is coming back. A game is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's like not nothing is going to give me that back because it is the like my grand's dead my grand yeah, I, my yeah. granddad I, I asked him when i was back in the uk i actually got to see him and i was like we can do anything you want to if you want to go to southport i'll take you because he can't drive anymore he's got a mobility scooter and he i basically i spent that day um i took him to b and q the equivalent of like home depot bought him a power washer and cleaned his drive because there were like weeds going through that's what he would wanted to do. So I'm like, well, the nostalgia for me would have been spending time with him in the arcade doing the thing, right? Even though the games would be different, it's you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So that yeah. that's why I I find I, I'm while we've been talking, I've got I've like um like Space Harrier. I I I can still hear the guy saying, "Get ready." Oh yeah. <laughs> Going through and yeah. doing that. Or like, yeah. Um, I remember like, that. Well, welcome to the Fandy Zone. Get ready. <laughs> and, and, doing all of, and, like, 
I, um, I remember a pizza place. My parents used to own a business whenever I was a kid, and there used to be a pizza place within walking distance. We used to go there for lunch, and they had uh, an altered beast machine there. Yeah, yep. and yeah. I remember, I like, I oh, you're waiting for your food? Cool, I've got fifty cents. I can get how far can I get an altered beast while I'm waiting for the pizza to come? Like, oh, yeah. God. Like, but, but it doesn't matter of... how often you play altered beast. You're never gonna have that pizza, right? Right. And no, that, and you I know what I mean? That. Yeah. And, uh, I'm never um, going to have that memory of walking back and having played a couple of games and taking the pizza back to my parents. Well, you, you're never going to make that memory again, and no, that's what yeah. like, the nostalgia side of it right. for me is. Like, I'm, I'm trying to relive it. It's I tried to relive it, but it you it you can't. It's never going to. It's, it's never not gonna genuine. It's, yeah. it's never genuine. Yeah. Yeah. And I. You know, it, yeah. And that's why building an arcade for me. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. But. Uh, for me, though, it's a way because that was an. Oh, you're you're getting closer and closer. Well, that, that's for me. Like but I, having it. But I'm going to make. Right. I, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to make it on my memory. PSP is different. Yes, because it is the game that. itself. Yeah, yeah. Unlike yeah, in the nicest possible way, I can play Rampage. Right, I could have Rampage up in some form. I'm sure in a web browser. Sure. And yep. you know what. How many games of Rampage am I actually gonna play? Right before right. I'm like, you know what? I don't need to be playing Rampage now, uh, and I'm not gonna spend like, oh, like two pounds, so like twenty twenty lives or twenty lots of three lives, um, to sixty. It's not hard math. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Right. I, I'm I'm not gonna play Afterburner or Hours and End because it's the same level with more bad guys coming at you faster right. and i mean as much as we it, all love the yeah, 14 it, uh, it's, it's, it's kind yeah. of like as an adult the illusion is broken when it comes to the games themselves you know it's like ed ed you're nostalgic for the games and that's great you know i'm nostalgic for the tactile you know i want i want the machines and you know i want i want as many of the machines to have the as close to the original ROMs on them as possible. When you when you port them to these new machines and the new hardware, you actually have to reprogram them some because it's not the same, you know, it's not the same thing as it was before. But for me with my arcade, what I do know and I understand where Chris is missing the 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 nostalgia of the moment, you know, the games to me create part of that, but then I know with my friends today or with my son or just myself that I'll create new memory, you know, and there'll yeah. be new experiences and new moments. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is because, you know, I want it to be a new experience, you know, with old things that I used to love to play and sharing it with other people. Yeah. You know? That is sort of the thing too. Like you're at that age where you're like, you want your kids to kind of, this is something that I did when I was a kid and they all look at you and they're like, Oh, this is old dad. Like, like it's not yeah. cool. It's not, it, no, I, and you're, I, it is I, cool. You don't know. You don't know wait. how cool this is. And that's it. We took Evie to the place, to Funland in Southport. And I, we played the, the coin pushes and we went out on the pier and we did those things. Um, but again, it, it's all the full experience. And I, I think being, I don't know, slightly younger. Um, I, the attachment to the games, especially I, I was very lucky. And you know, like my uncle was a games designer. I got to go into 
um, software creations and Sunsoft studios with mm -hmm. the companies he worked for and do games testing. So I was all always playing on like the like he had a Jaguar, he had a Lynx, he had like everything <laughs> as it, it came out. So like I moved with the times through it. So like the thing I miss more than a specific game and, and retro gaming is that I miss the fact that I don't really care about having a modern console because I I've got more important things to spend money on like heating and clothes right. and a roof yeah. and food you know what i mean like, those adult problems yeah and because <laughs> i i remember i think it was like this is how much a moron i am like my 18th birthday i literally the playstation 2 have been out for maybe six months like my for my uh, i was in the air force already on our uh, morning, like twenty-five minute break, I was on the phone to a bank to organize a loan on my eighteenth birthday. Um, so that after work, I got a lift to Dixon, so we could like a Best Buy, and picked up the PlayStation Two, the extra controller, Tekken Tag Tournament. Hell yeah! And like, <laughs> we were playing that night, and that's how what we did for my birthday. And then, like, I remember opening up the Super NES or SNES if we're in the UK and like having the Super Scope and how those that kind of nostalgia and getting the PlayStation 1 when that came out for Christmas and oh. uh, like, I'm never going to forget getting my PS1 my PS1 was Resident Evil and Final Fantasy 7 Final Fantasy 7 is what made me bought it and when I bought it I bought that Final Fantasy and Resident Evil and holy cow what a, what a, what a um, kickoff I got Tekken, uh, Tekken two, was, yeah, I think was it. No, I can't remember. Even remember, it might have been the original. No, it wasn't the original Tekken. It was Tekken two, um, Wipeout twenty ninety seven. Oh, such a great game! And um, I miss those good racing games like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I, and I, the nostalgia thing that I kind of hold on to is there used to be a, a little like. A shop in Wigan that was like an off, an off the high street like game shop, and they didn't really have any new games. Or they got like ones of stuff, but you'd go in, you'd trade in, and I, <laughs> I used to wash, I used to do all of the, I'd wash all the dishes, and I get one pound fifty a week pocket money. So I'd like, I'd take my triple A title and trade it in for like two shitty titles, and and still have to give them all my money. Um, yeah. but yeah. like getting, I got, yeah, <laughs> uh, this is it's an independent, so like we have game and different I, things. I, I have like, a it local, was an independent one, I have a local one. I'm feeding my PS3 habit but, from, from time to time, but that's because I, I never experienced that console. That's a different one for me, yeah. And I, but, but I that that kind of store doesn't exist anymore because of GameStop, right. Uh, yeah, they, we do. We have an independent here that does it, yeah. but GameStop still is the biggest. Yeah, mine's called Warp Zone. They have a web. They have a website if you're interested. Help carry yeah. out. He's a great guy. Yeah, we uh, we sell retro games in the Century Box. Same. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. No um, shit. Uh, Cam <laughs> runs a bunch of stuff. Uh, he's got a massive. All you do, all you're doing is that whenever I decide that I don't want to 
if I ever decide that I'm going to retire, is you're just making me want to retire to Canada. That's all it is. And then so that I can go into the Century Box once a week, twice a week, because all the stuff I want is there. <laughs> yep. One stop shop. That's right. All right, guys. Well, uh, let's uh, let's call it there. And, uh, you know, our trip down memory lane is uh, probably a deep one that we could go on for hours and hours and hours. I know I could. Oh, we could. I absolutely could. Yeah. I could sit there and we could go into like the top 15, uh, 2600 games. I, yeah. I, I, we could, I could have a great debate on that one. I don't know. Chris, are you even old enough to have ever played one? Um, so I had a Spectrum, which I believe was only in Europe. I don't think they made it to North America. So I had a ZX right. 220 Spectrum, um, which was the first one that came with the built in cassette recorder. But yeah, we didn't have Commodore. Um, we, we had. Did you do um, an Amiga? Uh, I didn't have an Amiga. Um, we didn't have Ataris. I missed that. I had Pong and like the, uh, but it was an off-brand. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There were a yeah. whole bunch of those yeah. around at that era. Yeah. Um, the first real console gaming was uh, Sega Master System uh, and NES. Um, have been Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, prior, I prefer I preferred the Master System. I actually had, I owned the Master System where it was the, the long one, where you still had the, the slot in cards for some of the games, rather than yeah, the cartridge. Yeah. And the built-in game on that was not Alex Kidd. I had um, a snail that moved around a, um, a maze. Oh, you had one of those. Oh, you had, you had yeah. one of the first, you had one of the first yeah. ones in. Yep, I'm aware. Um, That's a console and... I've never explored. I had a, gen so like my gaming history went, Atari 2600, NES, SNES, and then I got kind of bored there. I I got into a sports game thing. I'm sorry, um, I'm, a, I'm a recovering sports game guy. And then I went so, to the Genesis because Genesis had cool the, sports games. The Master System's so much better for um, the platformers. So I've the heard. NES so was. I've heard. Um, and again, got, I've got, you, you I've have Alex Kidd. I've got them all yeah. on there. Um, Wonder Boy and Monsterland is top tier. Um, top tier, he said. Yeah. That. Uh, that uh, all, a bunch of, like the first Wonder Boy game is an early, early platformer, but Wonder Boy Monster, I think, is the second one in the series. I think I'd have to look it up, but it introduces um, the con. It's very early in the life of those, but you, you're buying equipment, you're buying new armor, you're buying swords, you're going to a shop to buy this, you know, to upgrade. So it has that kind oh. of like RPG element to it. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's. Really good, really good. I'm gonna have um, to fire up the Raspberry Pi this weekend. Give it a look. Yep. Yeah. All right, Chris. Uh, do you do you have any closing closing uh, things? Yeah. Um. I wanted to thank a bunch of people have already shifted over from the lack of focus Patreon uh, into a Dicey Patreon. Whilst I'm still kind of in limbo setting up the website properly. Um, so thank you to everyone who has moved over there. I did get a request to change the tiers around a little bit uh, for reward levels. So I, again, don't really stress too much about it. Just do whatever. If you want to do do it to support the content, um, just go at the $1 a month tier. But it's now a $1, $5, $10 uh, because um, people... Um, I would just say, Alan was saying, man, why don't you have a $10 one? Because I think it went like one five to like 25 or something. Because I was like, I don't I don't know. If you want to give me a stupid amount of money, do that. I don't care. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I I added a ten dollar one in, but um, I've still been posting stuff onto um, the lack of focus Patreon, but I will be closing that down, and I haven't been charging for any of that content. Um, it's all been going up for free. Um, the website is um, not not stalled; it's live. I've just not had the time to actually go through finish updating all of those articles sean i've still not done those that i was looking through last time we were chatting right um <laughs> but yeah i'm basically a one-man show so i'm trying to work through all of that but it's coming so thank you to everyone who's done that um the discord's been a little bit quiet but again i've been away so that's kind of a two-way street but i have been posting a bunch of um like pictures of a terrarium that i made um, yeah uh, so that's all in there at the moment. And then, uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, I would advise you to jump on the Discord. It's the best way. You can email at um, g uh, dicehate.gmail.com. And, yeah, just thanks a lot, everyone. I appreciate it. Um, we, I was saying to Ed and Sean, I haven't actually sorted out new logos and backdrops, which is why we've not been doing this on to YouTube yet. But I, I'm, I think I'm just going to go on to Fiverr and get someone to, to do it for me. I've, I've not had time to like, worry about it properly. Um, but yeah, that'll all happen. I still have um, high hopes that I'm actually going to follow through and get everything done. So we'll see how it goes. And I think it's safe. Is it okay if I jump in real quick and safe to announce that uh, through some, we've had some clearing ups on how we wanted to do it, but the, uh, the 40k show for those who are interested is coming. Uh, it sounds like we're going to be recording in about a week with our episode zero to kind of get the audios all squared away and we will be diving right into it. So those interested, it is coming. Yeah. I suppose I should say about, um, bad idea as well that we recorded another episode of a bad idea X-Wing podcast, um, that looks like it's gonna get its own um own stream, um like download feed. Uh, so once all of that's up and running out, I'll post a, a couple before it fades out, um, off the, the dice it one onto its new one. But I'll kind of set all of that up. Uh but that'll you'll be able to find information on that at the website as well. So that's just dice8.com. All right. Yeah. Well um anybody have anything else they want to throw in before we call it a night? Ed? No, I think we're good for this one-hour show that ran for two. <laughs> yeah, good job, good job hosting. By the way, yeah, I know cool. it's a, there's a, there's a lot of pressure sitting in that chair sometimes. I think you did a fine job, Sean. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Chris. Anything else? No, that's it. Thanks again, Sean. It's been um, fun doing the rotating hosts and yeah, I think this is a good idea. Giving yeah. people a chance to just talk about any random topics and stuff. So it'd be yeah. interesting to hear any feedback from the listeners on um, what kind of stuff you want us to talk about, because we have a lot more scope in this show to be um, what self-indulgent petty. Yeah. yeah, I mean, self-indulgent and petty grievances, I think, can be the main topics. Self-indulgent <laughs> and petty grievances. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the show and, uh, you know, give give Chris the, the credit and uh, let's, uh, you know, let's look forward to the next one in two weeks. Who's hosting the next one? It's, it's Chris's show next time. Chris's show next oh. time. I'll have to get so, a topic. You will? Yeah. You got two weeks yeah. to think about it. 
I've got my, uh, I may or may not have my first 12 episodes of the 40K show plotted out already. There we go. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to learn to play 40K. So I, I might join you on that show sooner than you expected. I don't know. That's we'll fine. Well, so yeah, if anyone wants some behind the scenes stuff, Chris said he was more than happy to join in for the lore stuff because the lore stuff hasn't really changed all that much. But it was the actual playtime. He was a little bit, oh, I never really touched the game. I don't know. But if you want to jump in, I'd be more than happy to jump in. We're going to go from beginning to end, just like we did whenever we started uh, the old Nova Squadron radio. We're going to start over covering all the rules because Sean is new. So we're going to be mm-hmm. talking only, not only to him, but audience members who are looking to get into the game. It's That's the whole premise behind the show is we're going to not only start you on the path of here's how you play the game but here's the lore of the game as well we're always going to do some hobby stuff too well if we're doing it like nova that means i've got six episodes before i have to jump in including episode zero yeah (laughs) there you go that'll be fine yeah so you could do it without sean for four episodes and then i'll come in two after him well, It'll hopefully it doesn't good. go the exact same way that uh, Nova Squadron did, where the, after the first couple of episodes, I lost two hosts. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, you know. For, yeah. they had they had their reasons, and they had good reasons for it, and I understood it. Yeah. Great guys, all of them, but... Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll of... come in and immediately demand that we don't do Sunday, so it'll ruin my painting stream. <laughs> we can do Sunday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out. It's good. We'll figure it out. Yep. Yeah. All right, well... Uh... Everybody, we'll uh, see you in a couple weeks, and uh, everybody have a great evening and a great two weeks, and we'll talk to you then.